Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Glad to have you back. Look, we're still in our series called True Grace, and we're going to step into a section today that's going to talk about marriage. going to give you some marriage advice. Listen, the Bible is two things. It's good news and it's good advice. And we really have to understand context and usage when we study the Bible and apply it relationally in our day. So you're going to learn and get some really good marriage advice today from Peter. So come on, let's jump into this. So we're in 1 Peter. We're doing a study in 1 Peter. Now, when you're doing a study in a book, it means you got to just move along a verse at a time. And, you know, when there's a letter, it's written. It's supposed to be done when you read the letter. How many have read a letter and said, well, I'm just going to read the first couple paragraphs and put it down and read the rest of it next week? You usually read the whole thing. When there's a letter from someone important in your life, you go, oh, a letter, letter from Peter. Fantastic. Let's read this. So they would read the whole thing. Sadly, sometimes we just take little pieces. And if you take little pieces of a letter out of context, you can have a total different meaning. True. So take the word context, put it in your mind's eye. Put it in your mind's eye right now. Context. 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 You ready? Do you see it? Now take the text and move it away. Blow the text up. What do you got left? Con. Con. And you see, if you take a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. Yeah. And sadly, a lot of people get conned because they preach scripture out of context. And we end up with stuff that's not really true. It's not sound doctrine. So it says, watch your doctrine closely. And to do that, we got to study. So we're studying a whole book of the Bible. We're studying the whole thing. So we have to take... It's a whole letter. It's a whole letter. It was never, you know, the writers of the letter never intended never it to intended be a book to be, or to be, yeah, you know... Taken one little verse yeah. at a time. They expected it to be taken in the full context of Nor the Nor did they write it thinking it would be consolidated into what we call the Bible. What now. we call the Bible. Yeah, they wrote a letter and never thought that I'm going to add this to the Holy Scriptures. They were just mm-hmm. writing a letter. And later on, people got together and thought, these are things to bind up and keep. These are good things for us to share with generations that come. But you have to understand that, I mean, if I wrote a letter to you. To uh, me? To you. I, have you well, ever I, written I wrote, me? I wrote you love letters. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe she doesn't remember. You've actually got them. I thought you kept them. Yeah, I do. I have you one. Do. You have one? I think. Do you go back I wrote to you one. You wrote me a few. Mine were better. but uh, Mine had illustrations and pictures. True. And corn knew, and you keys. Knew, you knew that I need pictures. Okay. So, <laughs> Anyways, the letter. The letters. All right. So we're, we're talking about a letter. So it's important we understand it, take things in context. Now we're going for a little drive this afternoon as a family. So I went to the uh, Canada.ca. I went to the government website because I wanted to make sure I know how to drive. All right. Because so they have instructions. They have instructions. <laughs> kind of late, isn't it? Canada Center of <laughs> Occupation and Health Safety under the Canada.ca website. They have these instructions about driving. So you ready? Buckle up before you start. Keep buckled at all times. It's all right. Slow down. Wow. <laughs> Slow down. Posted speed limits are for ideal travel conditions. Drive at reduced speeds. It says be, be aware of black concrete. It says be alert. It says do not use cruise control. It says reduce your speed while approaching intersections. It says allow for extra traveling time or delay. It says drive with your low beam headlights on. That way they're, they're brighter than your day running lamps. And also, it says this means that your rear lights will also be illuminated. Lengthen your following distance behind vehicles in front of you. 
It says, uh, stay in the right-hand lane except when you're passing. Make sure your signal goes on to change. Steer in a smooth and precise movement. Don't go too quickly. Don't be jerking. No jerking around. Accelerate. Be aware and slow down if you see a sign warning that you're coming near a bridge of steel or concrete. Likely it will be a problem. It says, consider getting off the road before you get stranded. It says, be patient when you pass other cars when it's not safe to do so. It also says, keep safe distance back from snow plows. <laughs> Never pass a snowplow due to whiteout conditions. There, oh, these are instructions for when you're in a snowstorm. I'm sorry. Today, we're not going to have a snowstorm today. No. It's going to be clear and lovely and yeah, bright. Yeah. So we don't. So you can use cruise control. I can use cruise control. <laughs> See, that is something that's totally out of context. That is something that was written to people, how Driving do you need in the to snow. behave if you're in a snowstorm? Now, Peter, 1 Peter, was written in an environment. 1 Peter was written in an environment where there was a ruler who had just burned down Rome, and he decided to blame it on Christians. He had now decided that all through the realm, Christians are a problem. Mm -hmm. Peter, a few weeks later, was literally crucified upside down. Mm -hmm. So there's a context for writing this letter. This was not in a time of peace. This was in a time of, of incredible, forceful, violent persecution. This mm -hmm. might, this letter might be something we could read to our Christians in Afghanistan today because right now, I mean, hunker down because we don't know what's going on. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. things are a little bit crazy. You guys might want to consider doing church at home today. I mean, there's a lot of things because you know what? This is not your average Sunday mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. See, for us, it wasn't our average Sunday here. I mean, well, and I don't think that you can overstate no. the importance of context. You know, it's really, really important. And I think that's where the church has erred for centuries, is not understanding the context of the Bible. And so I just want to take a couple seconds and highlight a couple things. So context is when you're um, talking about something in a historical, cultural, and social, political environment. So there's a historical environment, a cultural environment, and a social, political environment. And it's really important not to confuse context with cause. Yes. Context is the environment, cause is an outcome. And so, really, the letter is the cause. It's an outcome because of the environment that the church finds itself in. And so, the other important thing is Peter's writing this uh, letter in a milieu of a variety of contexts that are happening. Oh, you have a Jewish first century context, you have a Roman Greco context, and then you have a gender ideology that is really draconian. And so women were always review, uh, regarded as possessions and property. Uh, they were the property of their father or their brother if the father wasn't around. And the culture practice uh, patrifamilias, where the man had ultimate authority over every decision. And if you think about the Jewish context, which was where the church was birthed from, they were forbidden to learn the law. Um, you were forbidden to teach a woman. If you did, it was like casting your pearl around before swine. They were sat separate from men in the synagogue. And the Jewish morning prayer from a rabbi would be, thank God I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. It's still the same. And it's still the same. Today. And, you know, if, if a Jewish man talked to a woman, it was the worst thing, and his um, end would be Gehenna. So when you think about a Roman Greco culture, which is the context for this letter, women were viewed as emotional and not rational. They were required to be virtuous, good managers of the household, obedient. They were seen as gullible and as weak and susceptible to flattery. 
they were to attend to the wishes of their husbands, and they were restricted by paterfamilias. And then the other context of this letter is the whole gender ideology that was uh, subscribed to in that day. You're looking at me funny. No, I'm looking at you funny. So it would be I'm alien. It would be alien to us today when you think about this. Men and women were not thought as different in kind, but different in um, status as far as degree. So we're both human, but they would have found you of a I'm higher degree, yeah, a higher degree than human. me. So for them, humanity was kind of viewed in a continuum. So some humans were more fully developed than others. Therefore, they viewed women at the lower end of the spectrum because they see, saw women as underdeveloped in the womb in that they did not develop male genitalia and they had low developed lungs. So therefore, they were weaker and therefore they were susceptible, and therefore they were viewed as a weak gender by nature. Yes. So that's kind of the construct, that's the context that the first century church is living in, and that Peter was writing this. And so I, you know, I wonder why do we get our marriage counseling and our ideas about relationship from a, a historical context that views women as a weaker vessel because she wasn't a man and had the man parts. It's true. So th this doesn't in any way diminish the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It doesn't diminish Peter. It doesn't diminish the church no. of the day. But we have to understand and we have to interpret they were reacting to their to a, culture. Yeah. And, and just like I would write a letter to somebody in Afghanistan right now, it would be a very different letter than one I would write to somebody in Toronto right yeah. now. Because those folks now, and everybody's horrified that women are going to come back under a Taliban-like rule, which sounds a lot like what Cheryl was saying it was like back then. So those people, to get Peter's letter, would be rather more in line with what they're dealing with than what we're dealing with. But when we take principles from advice, let me say this again, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be trite It's or okay cute. to be redundant about this. I it think is. it's important. I don't want to be trite. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm telling you the absolute truth. You ready? There's two things in the Bible. There's good news and there's good advice. And the good news is what we really need to focus on yeah. because a lot of the other stuff might have given good advice, but it was good advice in their day, not in our day. So, it, and it might be good advice in our day in a certain context, but we have to understand that the gospel, the good news is absolutely good news, but there's a lot of stuff in here. Like I heard a guy preaching this week, I can send it to you if you want, it was a fellow preaching in the States in 2021, and he said, women who wear pants are in sin. And it says they are advancing an ungodly agenda every time they wear pants. I don't know, but... That's shocking to but me. But he's got scripture for it because he goes back to Deuteronomy and he says when a woman wears clothing like a man. And, and, and so they interpret that and they start preaching. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> they start preaching stuff that was in a completely different world and context. And even in the Old Testament, they wrote things. They communicated things. They were speaking on behalf of God. But then in Hebrews chapter 1, you'll see that he's saying, in the old days, I was trying to speak through people. But now I'm speaking clearly. And when God wanted to speak clearly, he said, the clear message of who I am is Jesus. He says, I'm speaking absolutely clearly when I speak through my son. And so Jesus broke every, 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 every broke rule. All of those rules. He broke the gender rules, socioeconomic. Yeah, ethnic rules, so everything. you got to filter everything that you believe through the filter of Jesus. And you got to do that. So you might go, what are you guys belaboring that for? Because, folks, it's really, really important. And you got to discern, this is our document. 
And we want to absolutely, totally defend it. We, but you know what? To defend it, you've got to understand it. And to defend it, you've got to read it in context just like anything else. This is our document. And if we don't have an understanding of how to interpret it, there's a lot of people who take stuff out of context on purpose to beat us up as bigots, as narrow-minded, just Oppressive. awful people. And so if we don't know how to interact with our Bible, we're in trouble. If you think, I just take every word as it is, well, that would be not really good. Because the good news, take it as it is. But there are some things that were written purposefully in a context, and it wasn't written to you. But it is written for you, and we can get principles out of it. Like last week, we got a principle, honor everyone. Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes there are authorities that are out of line. In their day, they couldn't speak back to authority, or they would have been killed. Mm -hmm. But in our day, we get to say to our authorities, I think that's silly. I love you, but I think that's rubbish. I can still respect authority, but I can speak to authority, and I'm free in this culture to address things, which is good. Mm -hmm. But I'm not free to be rude and ignorant. Yeah. All right, how you guys doing? So right. I, I think the scripture that you started off with here in First Peter, that's, it was ground-shaking for Peter to say something like this. Ground when you think about a Greco-Roman culture, Jewish first century, gender ideology, when Peter says in First Peter 2.9, you are God's chosen treasures, and he wasn't addressing this to just the men, he was addressing this to the church. You are God's chosen treasures. Yeah. You are priests who are kings, a spiritual nation broadcasting his glorious wonders. It's and fantastic. so, you know, in an old culture, in an Old Testament culture, only male were priests. But, but Peter, Everybody. he embraced and included Every everyone in that yeah. statement. Yeah. And so that is a radical statement for yeah. him to say at this juncture in time. Very radical. First Peter 2.13 says, In order to honor the Lord, you must respect and defer to the authority of every human institution, whether it be the highest ruler. So we, we see all these things. Acts 5.29, the same guy, Peter. Peter said, he rose up with the other apostles, said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So you could go, well, Peter said, I'm obeying God, not man. And yet, why did Peter write later on, you need to obey every human institution? Well, you need to answer that question because yeah. it's your document. Mm -hmm. It's the Bible that you follow. So you need to be able to answer that. And when you see it in the context, Peter is saying that right now the church is going to be under violent attack. Yeah. And right now, let's keep our heads down right now. They're already looking for any reason to throw us in jail and put an end to us. So let's keep our heads down right now. Let's not, you know, make a, a bigger example of us than we need to. Let's be really, really good citizens. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Be really, really good citizens. So Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ. So when you hear that kind of a thing, you go, I'm free. There's no more bondage. There's no gender issues anymore. And I mean, it's, it's not racial anymore. There's no Jew, no Gentile. Everyone is one in Christ Jesus. And then he says, now, but honor these people. Mm -hmm. So it's a radical message to, to somebody who comes and comes to Christ in, in a church and in that context. The church was a radical rising up against the Roman Empire and they said Jesus is Lord when in the Empire you're supposed to say Caesar is Lord yeah so you are radicals and he's saying man our message is absolutely what it is and we defend our message but our message needs to be lived out in the context of where we are today do you hear me and like the government of the day, their whole attitude toward Christianity had changed. They were originally viewed as a sect or a part of Judaism, yeah, and they had broken away from Judaism, and so now their message was completely countercultural, and they were countercultural. They criticized them for their love feast, which is communion, yeah. and you know, when they heard, you know, eat the bread and the body, or the body and the blood of Jesus, they were viewed as a cult in that day. Yeah. 
And so you had the emperor kind of religion, and so Christianity was viewed as a cult. And they were still a growing organization, a growing organism. And so Peter and even Paul at times is writing ways in, in such a way that we don't prevent the work from continuing yeah. to grow let's and not, that they don't shut us down completely. Right. Let's not unnecessarily provoke people. Yeah. Let's, let's live and, and be good citizens. So uh, there was an open challenge. They were subversive. The Romans sought to imprison them, but they were also submitted. There's teachings uh, of the household code that was established, and they had that. It was literally, look it up, there was a household code. They believed that we need to maintain the household, and a man rules in his home. That will keep peace throughout all of Rome. Pax Roma will happen because men will be in charge of everything in their home. And so that's the way it was. And sadly... Christianity kind of took that and said, the man's the head of the house. And they, they're taking something that was taught in a context by Rome and Greece, and they're trying to apply it to Christian life. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not what it was there for. So they've taken something that said, honor the code of the day so we don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It wasn't honor the code of day because, because it's, right. it's God's yeah. word. Do you get that? Yeah. Really right. important. It, very important. Very important. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, Walsh and Kazmit, just a quote, just these are people who wrote about the context of the day and how, how the church interacted with it. it. said, this is not a narrative. These, these gospels and these writings are not a narrative that imposes a series of absolutes to oppress us. It is a story of liberation from an empire that would take captive our imagination while it rapes and plunders the earth. This is a story of restored relationships, a love story that calls forth an alternative community characterized by compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace gratitude and wisdom you see we are an absolute cultural cultural movement compared to even what's happening in our world today so Peter said he gets to a place that he finished all the inheritance he finished all the good news he finished all about our identity and who we are in God all absolutely applies today but then he said now beloved I beg you I beg you I'm begging you like that's that's a like he he's he's saying that because he knows that the potential for everything to blow up, for people to be persecuted, thrown in jail, hung upside down, all of these things was a very real and prevalent and relevant problem. And he knows the potential for people to dismiss this message because what do you mean we're free? What are you doing, Peter? This is rubbish. After everything you just said, you're telling us to do this? He's saying, I beg you, beloved, I beg you. And he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conduct. What he's talking about is war against that that rebellion, independent spirit that would, would not honor what we're trying to do as a church today. So he wanted them to elevate love. Peter said, I beg you, I beg you, therefore submit yourselves to all these ordinances. Verse 15 in the message, it says, it is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of fools. It is God's will. What is God's will? Who wants to do God's will? It says, it is God's will that you will cure the ignorance of fools who think you're a danger to society. And, and that's what they thought. The Roman yes. uh, culture and the Roman leaders thought that Christianity was a danger to their culture. And, and they and were it, ignorant about the yeah. love feast. They were ignorant about communion. They were ignorant about our services. And so by, by being good citizens and doing those things, you prove them to be ignorant about who you are. And if you think, what's that got to do with us today? It might be why we got knocked off of Facebook. Because we're saying things that the community has decided that the stuff we're saying, it's not good. That's rough. That's rough when somebody is, is... 
limiting freedom of speech because they've decided what should be the group think. The whole group should think like this. And now when you find yourself at odd with the common way of thinking, what do you do? Well, they obviously would be taking things out of context and not listening to True, the whole message. The whole so message. they're not genuine and authentic intellectual no. thinkers. So now Peter moves to another oppressed group, wives. Just saying. <laughs> he, moves to another, he moved from slavery to wives. He says, here's another group of people that the message of the kingdom liberates you. The message of the kingdom sets you free. But in context of where we're at, in, in an understanding of our culture, let's just, let's just approach that message like this. And he says, verse uh, 1 of Chapter 3 says, wives, likewise, likewise, just like I'm tying you together with, our, with the last part of the letter. He says, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. And he says, likewise, he says, women, submit to your husbands. And he had to tell them that, had to say that, because the gospel is the liberating. Gospel is liberating, but he's saying, I know the gospel is liberating, but I beg you. You know, in the context of our lives and where we are, live a submissive life. Live an honoring life to your husband. And he said, even if they're unbelievers and even if it's difficult, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair or wearing gold. I mean, don't, don't just dress it up on the outside thinking that that's how I'll win my husband. He said, no, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, holy women, he then appeals to Sarah and some of the other women and says, this is how they lived. I mean, Abraham was the father of the faith and Sarah, his wife. Let's let her be an example of how we lived out our faith. And it's interesting because Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. Uh, do good and do not be afraid with any terror. And, and it's interesting because Sarah, if you read the Bible, Sarah constantly told Abraham what to do. <laughs> It wasn't that she followed, yes, or whatever you say, because she's the one who said, hey, you see, get rid of that see woman. what you did here with, with the bond woman and the slave son? We got to get rid of him. And, and Abraham Abraham's didn't like, want no, to. No, I'm not doing that. That's silly. I can't do that. But then God came and said, listen to your wife. She's right. So when we read this, it doesn't mean that you make all the decisions in the house as men and the wives just quietly go along. If he's using Sarah as an example, Sarah was very involved in their lives. Yeah. She had a voice, and several times she was the one who was hearing from God. Amen. Okay, praise Jesus. All right. So, man, it's hard preaching through a text in the scripture because I'd like to just preach the fun stuff. But we got to understand this stuff is there. And sadly, it gets misapplied. And people have built whole marriage courses out of stuff that wasn't meant for today. And it, it just causes grief. 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 <laughs> all right. I, I, Please settle down. You're so all a few likewise. Excited. All right. So there we get another one. It says, husbands likewise. It says, dwell with them in understanding. Now, this is totally radical in their culture. For Peter to be saying this, uh, Roman people, Greek people, even Jewish people, we go, what a nut bar. Because he's saying, honor your wives. Yeah. That is countercultural. Because your wives were just subjects, obviously. They're they weaker vessels. They didn't even learn. They didn't even They're not rational. They never not had a, a job. They didn't do anything. We hardly even talked to them. But he's saying honor them. I mean, that is so absolutely countercultural. He says, honor your wife. Give honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. He says, in being heirs together, that word means co-equal, co-essential, co-significant. You are co-equal in the grace of life, heirs of the grace of life. And do this. I think it's interesting that it's tagged in there. Do this, that your prayers won't be hindered. Wow. 
do this walk in a sense of identity, one with the other, honoring each other, blessing each other, because there's blessing to that. So the tune is, the tone is mutual respect and mutual honor. It really is. Both it ways. Is. Both ways. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, uh, the Lord said, I'm going to give you a helpmate. It is not good for you to be alone, but I'll give you a helper comparable. Say helper. Helper. Say comparable. Comparable. So I'm going to give you a helper comparable. So that's important. The word helper is easier. It means to be strong, help. Comparable is in front of, a perfect match of the same nature. So I'm going to give you help, something that is equal to you, and something that's of the same nature as you. Now that word easier is used in Psalm several times when it says God is, is my easier. Helper. God is my easer. So what does it say? It says, God is your helper. Is God subordinate to you? No, but he is your helper. Just because it uses the word helper doesn't mean the woman is subordinate Which to the man. Which has been taught for it centuries. It has been taught. It said, you're the helper. The you're man's the, help the guy, mate. and you're helping I'm him. I'm the helpmate. But that's a, that's a misunderstanding of the word completely. So we got a couple of big words, egalitarian. It's a big word. Got the whole thing on the screen right there. Boom. That's a big word. Egalitarian is with the, it's a Christian, the theological view that not only are all people equal before God in their personhood, but there is no gender-based limitations of what functions and roles can happen in the home, the church, or society. The Bible teaches the fundamental equality of women and of men and of all racial and ethnic groups, all economic classes and age groups based on the teachings and example of Jesus Christ. That's Amen. egalitarian. That should be a big Amen. And, and these are very real theological things Few in the points. church today. And egalitarian is where we stand as a people. There's a, another way of approaching uh, relationships. It's called complementarian. And this is the theological view that although men and women are created equal in their personhood, they are created to complement each other via d different roles and responsibilities as manifested in marriage, family life, religious leadership, and elsewhere. So this is known as the traditional or the hierarchical view. So there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of religious organizations today that take these things that were written in a time and in a season out of context and they say women cannot have authority in the home they cannot have authority in the church you'll see some churches that might have women on pastoral staff but if you go look at their eldership it's all male because you could be on staff and you might even be able to teach but you can't make authoritative decisions because you're a woman and so there's some that just straight up say you can't a woman lead can't and teach, teach a man. man. So there's all kinds of extremes of all of this, and it's still alive today. And yet everybody stands back and says, we're horrified by what might happen to women in Afghanistan. And yet in Christian circles, even in Western here, culture, in this culture, in this city, women are excluded from areas that we have said are only male. And I highly disagree with that. I'm saddened by it. It breaks my heart because people are using the wrong parts of the Bible to defend their position. How are you today? That's what happens when you're preaching through a book of the Bible. You got to deal, deal with it. You got to deal with it. So, just really quickly, we're going to fly through this really fast. All right, Pastor Cheryl? I mean, fast. You ready? So, we're just going to. So, quickly... you want me to be quiet? Well, no, not really. That's what he's saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying we got to go fast. So, we want to give you some relational advice really quickly, all right? Because here it's, I love that verse that says, together you're you co equal and you reign in life and you are heirs of the grace, grace of, of life. God. And it says, when you walk together like that, it says, your prayers are not hindered. So, you know, there's some great promises about walking together with God. So, I'm going to give you four things really fast. You ready? Some relational advice, all right? Relational advice. You're on the same team. Yay. Point number one, you're on the same team. It's not Team Cheryl and Team Carl, and we're trying to figure or out. Or just Team Carl. It's not Team Carl either. You're on Team Carl. You are Cheryl Thomas, after all. You lost your name, and you joined my team. <laughs> so you're on Team Thomas. 
you know? But no, we're on the same team, and we're significant. We're essential together on the same team. That's what Peter said. You're heirs together. together. Two are better than one. That's what God's initial thing was, that you would have two people together, co-equal, that together two are better than one. You're on the same team. Whenever you talk to the Duvers, you know the Duvers, Werner and Kristen? It's Team Duver. Sometimes they'll say, hey, how you doing? They say, Team Duver, ready for action. And I love that. They show up, and they say, Team Duver. I really like that. I mean, that speaks to me. Team Duver. Mm -hmm. Because there's two people that are absolutely, we're here, we're here together, and we're fully engaged, and I love that. So we're Team Thomas, and we're together, and you know what? It's way better or we could be team to be on the same team. We could be. We could be TNT. 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 Dynamite. All right, number two. All right, we're going to celebrate differences and uniquenesses. We are different. We are unique. And look, I got one thing to say. Marriage does not deaden. It matures unique abilities. Marriage does not deaden it matures unique abilities. I don't get absorbed into the Carl. No. See, when, when we got married, we were in a church that was complementarian. We were in a church where the pastor taught headship. Literally, we had a gal in our church who was unable to have a baby. And the pastor told them that you're not able to have a baby because you're working. And not and staying at home. if you give up your job and stay home, you would become with child. And I heard that. And I went, what? That's really odd. And you see, so we, we lived under that idea. Cheryl had a motorcycle when she came to Jesus. They said, women don't wear, drive motorcycles. So she was told to put that away. So we were in a place where we had real roles. And it wasn't the way I was raised. No, it wasn't Because the way I, was I was raised, raised yeah. although the discussion of egalitarian or complementarian or traditional view never came up in my home, by practice, it was egalitarian. But they had a kind of a grid for this is what a woman looks like. And they were trying to make you fit in. I know, and it. I tried. You know, and, and I did, did the hair bun thing. When we first got married, you were making... You woke up early and put yeah. on your makeup and made me breakfast. Made him breakfast, cleaned the house. So awesome. and, and she did all kinds of stuff, but she was brutally unhappy. And what I loved Miserable. about Cheryl was her fierce independence, her, her, her ability to tackle things and do things. And I love that about her. And I didn't realize that she moved into my home and she just became my servant. But that's how things were taught. So I got saved. Our family got gloriously saved. Like our transformation was wonderful in Christ. And this was the document I was supposed to believe. So I just thought they knew what they were talking about. So I just bought in hook, line, and sinker. But I was stinking you miserable. Lost your identity. I lost you, my you identity. You were being somebody you weren't. And your uniqueness was pressed down and, yeah. and oppressed rather than celebrated. And when we realized that, we broke out of that. And Cheryl totally became, I was, oh, there's the woman I love again. It was so good. Although, you know, my laundry done and my meals and all that was great. You still get your laundry get done and your I meals. Come on. Laundry. Okay, shh. We got to go quick. All right. Number three is share responsibility. So she does all of that stuff. And I pretty much just say, wow, <laughs> man, you're so awesome. So anyway, that's so true. I do everything. It, that's because not, I don't like the way what? he does everything. Now, now you're gloating. Now you're just, you know, no, I really do much. everything, but yeah, like just, if Cheryl tells me to do it, the sad thing is I start to do it. And then she says, get out of the way you're not doing it right. So and it always happens that way. So, I mean, I, literally, she'll say, well, you know, would you clean a toilet? Would you sweep the floor? I start sweeping. Then she comes over and goes, oh, that's not how you do it. And I'm just like, holy cow. I mean, I literally say, this time I'm going to crush it. And it's never, ever good enough. So I've just pretty much said, wowzers. I'm and I'm okay again. with that. You are. But I, I do try again. And I still, but I, I, do good, I do a good job on the hedges. Eh? So do I. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But he does do a you know? good job in the hedges. But we do share responsibility. When I let him, we share responsibility. <laughs> but I, I don't, I really don't mind because Cheryl is an excellent wife. I think I'm a little bit of a machine, so just get out of my way. It really is. And it's, it's uh, anyways, we, we, it works for us. How many years now? 
38 this year. This year so yeah. We, we figured yeah. that out, eh? So that's really good. All right. So. And in all fairness, if I'm busy, my life is feeling a little bit stressed, and I say, can you help me? I let, he helps, I let him, and I don't complain. Amen. Amen. Last thing, you ready? Highly value agreement. Highly value. There's four little pieces of advice for relationships, for marriage. This is stuff from us. It's advice from us. But highly value agreement. You know, it says right there, it says, when you agree together with things concerning anything. I love that verse, don't you? If two agree on earth. Are you on earth, honey? Yeah. You're on earth. I'm on earth. Okay, we qualify. <laughs> if two agree on earth concerning anything, anything that they ask, it will be done for them by their Father in heaven. How many think that's a pretty amazing promise? Yeah. Like, that's a pretty amazing promise. And it's a pretty important practice. So, I mean, I mean, highly value agreement in your lives, in your world, and in your home. Agreement is a beautiful place to be. And you know what? Value agreement. And, and you not... shouldn't move forward on any decision no. until there's complete agreement. And we have lots of stuff to tell you about that, but we don't have time. But you should have consensus. You should have agreement. You really should. And you should, should do things together, and it's okay. Listen, complaining kills, discussion heals. Amen. Complaining kills discussion heals. So it's very important that you be open, talk about everything, share everything, value each other's involvement, value each other's place in the whole thing. Highly value agreement. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm So done. just to sum it up. Sum it up. Okay. The Bible says that husbands and wives are together the heirs of grace. True. They are priests and kings. They are bound in relationships of mutual respect and responsibility. Their bodies belong to one another. Truth. His body belongs to me. My it's body true. belongs it's to true. him, which would rock the world back in that day. So. And husbands and wives together exercise leadership in their home, their family, and their children. So you can see how the good news is radically different than their culture. And yet, with all of that radical good news, Peter said, let's temper it, though, so that we don't look annoying. We don't lose our status. We don't and kill the church. let's make sure that we still manifest. And let's be really, really good citizens to show them they have nothing to be afraid of, mm -hmm. that we're not crazy and creepy people. May the Lord bless the teaching of his word. Amen. <laughs> Come on, stand up with me. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We bless you. Listen, maybe you're here today and you've had some relationships go weird. You've had some struggles. You've had some trials. You might be in a difficulty right now. I'm telling you, God can heal those situations right now. I mean, maybe you're in a place with culture or whatever's going on and you're, you're just feeling that you've been hurt by things or you felt even in culture that, you know, I've been marginalized. I feel it. You know, sometimes we don't understand, but there's people in our culture who feel they've been marginalized. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they really felt if I were a man, I wouldn't be having the problems I'm having in the context of where I am right now. And they were very upset about things that were being made and decisions and stuff that she was left out of. And she says, I absolutely know in this context that if my gender was different, I'd be involved in that. And she was really hurt by that. And you know, I know that people go through those kind of pains today. You go through things because of ethnicity or gender or, or all of these things. You feel excluded or pushed out. And here we are in Canada in a beautiful free nation and you're still experiencing pain. Maybe in your relationship, in your marriage, there's been tons of misunderstanding. And here it was, how do I serve an unbelieving husband? How do I serve an unbelieving spouse? Maybe you're in that situation. You feel like, man, I'm overwhelmed. It's hard. I mean, I'm hurting right now. God wants to touch you today. God wants to touch that that situation today. He wants to pour hope into that situation today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So these are important areas to get healing in. These are important areas to, to feel supported in the body of Christ and in the family of God where, where you feel the love, the acceptance, and the blessing that you need. 
So look, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, listen, if that takes you in or you feel that that applies to you in any way, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up right now. Thank you. Anyone else say, you know what? I'm feeling that right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, let's pray. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those who, who feel that even in this culture, even in the freedom we're in, they've gone through difficulties. They feel like there's been barriers. They feel like it's just been not fair to me. Lord, I pray that you would pour blessing on them right now. I pray, Father, that you would deliver them. Lord, all promotion comes from you. And I just pray you'd pour in a gentle spirit that you would heal, that you would bless, that you would pour in just the, that nature of Christ. And we trust you, Father, that you will always, I will never experience narrowness or leanness because of injustice. We just curse it in Jesus' name. And we pray, Father, for right scales and right balances. It's an abhorrence to you when it's out of balance. And we command a rightness to come in those circumstances and right now we pray for healing in Jesus' name that I'm not going to live out of hurt. I'm not going to live out of pain or disappointment. I command healing to take place right now in Jesus' precious name, amen. One more thing, just heads bowed again. Listen, you're here today and wow, that was different. That was different, came to church and got all that. That was different. But you know what? Jesus loves you. He's nuts about you. And you know what? He says he wants you to be a prophet, a priest, and a king. He, he wants to bring you into his kingdom, make you a joint heir with the son of all things. It's really, really good news to be a part of the body of Christ. And if you're here today, say, you know what, preacher? I want that sense of family. I want to know my sins are forgiven, I'm healed, and I'm free. I want that, and I want to know him as my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you put your hand up right now? Just say, pray for me. Thank you. Anyone else? Just say, pray for me. I want in on this. Pray for me. Thank you. Anyone else? Just say, pray for me, pastor. I want in. All right, you can put your hands down. We're all going to pray, but you pray. Lift up your voice right now, and you pray real loud. You ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me for healing me and for setting me free. I embrace you. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for baptizing me into the body of Christ. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.